on the job with Francis Leach and Sally Rugg. It's On The Job, the podcast, all about making your working life better. My name is Francis Leach. My name is Sally Rugg. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, No disclaimers. No disclaimers. I do what I want now. (laughs) You're rolling. Freewheeling it now. How are you? I'm a free spirit. I'm really good, (laughs) which is is funny. I feel like my my mood is so dependent on the weather nowadays. Mm. And so because the sun is out... I'm like, oh, everything's fine. Like, we're going to make it. It's going to be okay. But um, next time it rains, I'll be like, we're not going to make it. How are you, Francis? I've had a bit of a rough week. My dog passed away. Um, Remy, who you've met uh, via Zoom over the last year and a half or so. So I had to say goodbye to him on Monday, my companion and partner in crime for the last 15 years. So that was very sad. Um, And I'm sort of, you know, still, you know, it's one of those things, you put it in perspective in in the wider frame of things and you realise it's not the biggest problem or burden to carry in the world. But just just my, in my little inner life, he had a big part. Um, And it's all the little things. It's like when I make make a sandwich, there's no one sidling up alongside me just hustling for a bit of whatever it is that's going in between the two bits of bread. There's no one barking at the door when my friends uh, or when the mailman or mail person comes to deliver something uh, at the door, all those little things. So I'm just, I'm a little bit sad, but but I'm okay. We've made a little, uh, we've made a little shrine to Remy with his with his favourite teddy bear and whatnot. And um, we're telling tales, we're telling tales, doggy tales about happier times, Sal. He was such a beautiful dog from when I met him over Zoom um, and he clearly loved you so much, Francis. Um, in 15 years, what a good innings. I'm, I'm sure he had such a beautiful life. Um, yeah, he had, a, he had a very sweet indeed, let me tell you. Yeah, and as, <laughs> as someone who um, is like pretty into her pets, may or may not have mentioned the cats on the pod before um, and I think a lot of people listening would really sort of empathize and sympathize with that so we're all we're all really sorry about that thank you very much mate hey as we said there are bigger issues at play at the moment we know that melbourne sydney uh, in particular, New South Wales, Victoria, dealing with lockdown in a really sustained way, which is causing a lot of emotional grief and a lot of physical fatigue as well, mental and physical fatigue for a lot of people as this new Delta variant uh, is is starting to reveal itself as really hard to shift and really difficult to manage. And the rules that applied last year, particularly for those working on the front lines of trying to cope with this, just don't apply like they did. And it's it's really challenging, Sal. Yeah, it is. It's as, as time goes on... Um, it's getting harder and harder. And, and we talk about it quite often that, um, you know, you and I sitting at our desks as desk jockeys here um, can talk all we like, but people on the, the front line, um, you know, it's a completely different story. It is. And you've mentioned this before that, you know, cleaners in particular, when you think about the work that they have to do and, you know, their, their job in many ways is to try to expunge uh, the virus from where it might be laying in public spaces where, where there's uh, shared traffic spaces and whatnot where people are moving through uh, are right very much on the edge of face-to-face contact with this disease which could make them either very sick or in the worst case scenario in their lives. Yeah it's so funny like every day we hear COVID news about you know here's an exposure site um, and you know it will, it's been deep cleaned or like you can now all return to the school supermarket 
um, bus, whatever it might be. It's been it's been deep cleaned. We've sent the cleaners through, um, and so the rest of us kind of con- continue on with our our lives accessing these spaces after they've been cleaned. But yeah, what about the people who are who are the ones sent in before the rest of us? Well, that's exactly what we're going to talk about on the pod today is uh, the challenges cleaners face, the risks they, 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 they confront by just doing the job that needs to be done, that they do so well and that we take for granted in lots of ways. We're going to catch up with Alex Morales, who's a, a, an organiser with the United Workers' Union in Sydney and he's in the western suburbs of Sydney. He's in lockdown in one of the LGAs, the local government areas where the disease has really taken hold and where cleaning is absolutely vital. So his members are basically like fighting the fire. They are literally the firefighters of this disease at the moment, trying to reduce the risk of transmission. But before we talk to Alex, Alex was good enough to put me in touch with one of his members, Sally. Uh, and it's a bloke by the name of Aru Akut. And Aru was good enough to have a chat with me before we came on air today on the pod to talk about his circumstance. He's a cleaner. He cleans in schools. He's been doing it for the last couple of years. And, you know, schools, again, one of those environments where people are coming and going vital to the community as we know and um, you know he's paid a price for doing the work that we expect him to do and I caught up with him to talk about exactly what's been going on for him and how hard it is to be a cleaner in the age of COVID. Aru welcome to On The Job. Firstly you've got COVID tell us how you're feeling. (laughs) Yeah it's actually um, I'm uh, full vaccinated I still got it. I got um, positive and my kids as well. And how are they doing? How are your little ones? We're all of them. We all we, we were all fine. Okay, that's great. And do you think you got sick at work? Well, I'm waiting for result because I'm not yet released. I'm just waiting for release so I can feed the work. When I when I went done, I'll go back to test maybe. Maybe on Thursday or on Friday, they will see because they always ask us for our temperature. To see how the temperature is going, they know it who is sick and who is not sick. This is what they do. Well, I hope you're feeling better real soon. It's so difficult. So let's talk a little bit about the work you do. So tell us what you do for a living and where you're doing your cleaning. This actually, I'm uh, been working cleaning for a long time. There is a school, and then I do cleaning. I do the building upstairs. I do wood section. I do uh, art section, I do metals. So I do two chips. So, you know, five hours in the morning, five hours in the afternoon. So you're working in one school, cleaning the school. How much more difficult has it been since the COVID-19 arrived? It's a difficult, yeah. So it's because, you know, the kid left, we still have to do it. We have to kill the rabbis. When the kid were in, that was a terrible time. Sometimes it's hot. So you go back to clean all up and down, all up. All the rails, you have to clean the rails, all the drawers. So you have to repeat to what you have done. So over and over and over again. Yes, yes, over and over. Yes, you non-stop because this is the way to prevent this coronavirus. There are people in community who are infectious and they don't want to tell people. That's why the COVID-19 spread easily because if you know yourself you are sick, don't go out. Like me, when they send me a message to me that you've been test positive, then I didn't go, I straight away I rang my boss and uh, sent all the music to everybody so that for fair not to go to work, so that they have to go to test it. And was your boss okay with that or does it feel like if you don't turn up, you don't get paid? How difficult is it to do that? 
I know, I know that because it's difficult that you've not been paid, but so you might better to be honest. Instead of spreading the disease to the people, is not good. Is that the same the way most people you work with are feeling at the moment, or is there just that pressure as well? I oh, know I just need to uh, keep getting paid. They have. My boss, who is a head of a cleaners, has all been infectious, so is is uh, now isolated as well. And as some of the cleaners are already, I think they test negative, but they're still isolated until the school has been clean. I don't, I don't know explanation. Now the school has been cleaned up and then they start because we've got some kids. I've got about some seven kids sometimes. They come, those who are working, they drop their kid in. It's high school. And is a lot of it casual work as well? So if you don't work, you don't yeah, get paid? Yeah, we have, we have four of us, three full-time and then one part-time yep. and then two casuals. Yeah, we have about six cleaners. Aru, it sounds like to me that the workload that you uh, folks were having to do had increased enormously because of the COVID situation to keep everything clean. But I'd imagine the amount of time you had to work and how much you were getting paid didn't change to accommodate that. You're still expected to do all this extra work without being paid more. Is that right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's true. That yeah. must that must have been really hard to sort of you know to meet everyone's expectations, but not to be have the resources to be paid or to be given extra hours. It's actually difficult that why we've been fighting for many years about this pay rising, all this, the union with us and all, we campaign, we go up and down because our payment is so less, I know. And when you hear people talking about, oh, let's open up, we need to open up and go back to school and just let people go to, to church or to the beach, what do you think about that, given that you're living with the disease, your family's got it, and you know how it can impact on people? Well, this is not good. This is not acceptable. So we have to look after each other. In this difficult time of coronavirus, we have to put the safety and priority of our family for the health affairs. If you love yourself, if you have a kid, you love yourself, why you don't love others? If you know yourself that you are sick, you don't, you don't need to go outside so to spread to go to beaches or what this is not is not safety we have to fight for this we have to get the full vaccination we have to look after each others it's not easy it's complicated it's very tough this time it was not like this last year but this year now is getting bad mm. how many people now in intensive care so hundreds of people are in intensive care who know that they will survive. I've got some family members that one of the guys was survives 20%. We lost one of the lawyer, young lawyer in Blacktown. His name is called William uh, Urul. He's he passed away last week. So with coronavirus, it's very sad. It is very sad. And just- very sad. A lot of people have been in, it's, it's a difficult situation. We, my concern always I talk about, with, I talk with people sometimes, I go to live in social media, I encourage people. Don't ignore it. Get vaccine. It doesn't. It doesn't hurt. So you have like me now. What saved me? I'm now. You hear my boy. I'm speaking very clear. If I was not vaccinated, I would. It would be worse. Mm. Well, I'm glad it has. I really, really am. And for cleaners, I mean, you talk about the fact that not paid properly, not not given permanent work in the way that you should. Do you think people now, given how important, how essential cleaners have become? to getting through this pandemic? Do you hope that people now understand that the work that you do is absolutely vital? It's really important work. It is absolutely. Because we start early in the morning where everybody's sleeping and then we are we are the last at evening time to leave, you know? So when we start early in the morning to clean and tell the 
students come and after that we leave, we lock the gate. And when we come again, we start from one o'clock up to six o'clock. So when everybody leave and then we are the last to lock, hell the morning again, we start, even though it's raining, even though it is very cold, whatever the degree is zero, you have to come and do it. And I think that it's, the cleaning is very important. Yeah. It's very important without, without it, it's, it's just not, not safety. Well, my friend, I wish you all the very best and your family as well. I'm so glad you're vaccinated. You are living proof that being vaccinated protects you from the disease, even if you catch it. Absolutely. I agree. I believe that this vaccine is important. It helps. And I believe that that's why I'm supporting the whole population of the New South Wales or population of Australia. They make encouragements, encouraging people have to get vaccine. It's important to get vaccine. It's good. Yes, and even one of my cousins told me about it. He say he's actually when they took him to Westmead and he was unconscious. He never speak. Doctor said that we survived. It's 20% of his survivor. After a couple of days, he breathed the machine until he recovered now. And I told him that you are very lucky to, to be alive. He said, yeah, he said so. Yeah, I'm very lucky. But I told him that after all these recovered, get vaccine immediately. Absolutely. Aru, yeah. thank you so much for talking to us uh, and we wish you all the very best in your recovery. Thank you so much, you need there. So thank you. There he is, Aru Akut, who's a cleaner working in schools in Western Sydney, currently at home recovering from a diagnosis of COVID-19. Uh, his family also have uh, contracted the disease. And Sally, is there a better advocate and, and a better champion for the community, for, for well-being in the community and making sacrifices for others than Aru? What, an, what a champion he is. On the job, the podcast all about making your working life better. After this, Alex Morales from the United Workers Union. On the job's a podcast all about your working life, and one thing that makes your working life better is being vaccinated. So, to help inspire you to do that, you can go to shop.australianunions.org.au slash collections, and everyone who is vaccinated can pick up a fantastic set of on-the-job union unvaxxed stickers to put on the back of your car, bike, scooter, whatever it is, to let people know that you're vaccinated and to encourage others to do the same. Go to shop.australianunions.org.au and use the code on the job in the store and make sure that you are vaccinated and share the news. On the job, the podcast, all about making your working life better. So, Sally, we heard from Aru about how tough it's been for him um, living with the disease. He's been diagnosed with it, but he also was absolutely adamant that it was important to get vaccinated and it was important to think of others. With everything you do at the moment with, with, the, with the virus, every decision you make as to where you go and what you do, it's not just about you and yours, but every action you have has consequences for others. Yeah, and what an extraordinary story and person and communicator. I mean, I've, I, I feel like so many of us have watched so many press conferences where the health minister and the prime minister have stood up um, and just said things that, like, in their defence are words, um, but, you know, added all together, really leave um, a lot to be desired, um, including any clear um, uh, advice or direction or... or um, you know, hope. So, um, yeah, I reckon we should get him uh, as our, like, public spokesperson for the nation. Like, we need to get his stories up on the television um, 
talking to as many people as possible because I think that's the message we really need to hear right now. Well, one person who's hearing a lot of those messages because he represents these workers, these cleaners who are on the front line in the battle against COVID, is Alex Morales, as we said. He's a, an organiser with the UWU, the United Workers Union, and he lives in Canterbury-Bankstown in uh, that local government area, which is fighting really hard to stave off uh, the, the increasing pressure of COVID-19 in that community. And he joins us on the job uh, today as well. Alex, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing uh, well, uh, you know, uh, in in the circumstances that we're in. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, you know, keeping healthy and trying to do the right thing. I might start by asking you uh, just your sense of, of what you heard from Aru talking about his uh, experience. Are you hearing a lot of those sorts of stories at the moment? Yeah, look, um, I, I, we contacted Aru and um, he obviously let us know he, he had the uh, he was recovering from uh, this, uh, you know, uh, COVID. Uh, and yeah, uh, he was worried about other people <laughs> that might have it uh, in his community and in his uh, uh, other school cleaners. Uh, and we did do um, uh, a text out to all our members um, at school. Uh, there's over 7,000 workers in schools, uh, school cleaners. So, you know, we, we take this as many as possible and, uh, you know, we are hearing a lot of concern. Obviously more the, the Sydney-based people because that's where most of the, the, the outbreak is. But, yeah, yeah, we, we do hear a lot um, of the things that we pointed to, yeah. And, Alex, how many of, the, of your members, um, members of the workforce doing this really important cleaning work, how many of these folks um, are living in households where they also have caring responsibilities? And I'm asking this question as someone who has kids at home, well, a kid at home at the moment, really struggling with remote learning. Um, is it common that a lot of people, um, the members you represent, are also juggling those caring responsibilities at home? Yeah, look, one of the problems that uh, came with COVID was a lot of our members in schools, um, like older uh, workers, like, you know, um, people that have grandchildren and uh, because, uh, and, you know, they do live with them in, in some instances, but where they don't, it took away that, that caring responsibility from them. But the parents of those children don't have somewhere to, uh, you know, um, take their kids to, to, to be looked after. So it is uh, whether, you know, it's for them or for the uh, children's children, <laughs> uh, it uh, does impact. It impacts in, in many ways. And we do have a lot of members that do live with the family members that they, uh, and, you know, uh, as you know, this spreads very quickly. And as Aru would have told you, uh, you know, his whole family um, has it and, you know, they're all recovering and there are a lot of people in that situation. Right. So it's a it's an older workforce. Um, so people who are, you know, old enough to have grandchildren are the ones going into these, you know, highly hazardous workplaces to perform their tasks. Is that, that, that sounds right, yeah? Oh, look, it's a mixture. I mean, we do have international students that do the job as well and they have younger families uh, and they would have, like, you know, toddlers and stuff like that that they'll be dealing with. But uh, in the, uh, I guess... Um, regional areas and some of the areas in Western Sydney, um, it is a w- older workforce and predominantly older. But there, there is, uh, um, you know, a, a mixture of, of uh, I guess, the demographics are not, uh, you know, all older workforce. But yeah, you're, you're correct. 
Alex, there's a lot of talk about uh, you know COVID fatigue and the pressures people face, but I'd imagine just from talking to Aru and from having a conversation with you that the pressure that cleaners face at the moment, a to look after their own health and the health of those at home, but also to get you know their work done properly and right because of the consequences of transmission and having to constantly redo the work because every time you clean you don't have to be wait more than a couple of minutes before you worry whether it's being contaminated again how's that impacting on the workers that are members of your union yeah look they obviously cleaning is a it's a job where you know people don't might not think about this but they really uh, care about what they do uh, you know and they they're really proud of the job they do and uh, there's no cleaners out there that don't uh, you know they don't like leaving things uh, that are not clean you know uh, and the the government obviously introduced extra hours uh, to clean uh, the COVID um, um, uh, you know, for specifically to clean those areas over and over again, the high point, high traffic areas. Uh, um, but yeah, the the cleaners do feel the pressure. They're, they're spending most of the time at the school. Like they start at four in the morning. Usually they would have gone home at 8, p- at 8 a.m. and then come back in the afternoon. It's a split shift. But most of them have to stay there till one and then start at three again. So they're spending a lot of time. And in uh, in some areas, there isn't a lot of other people that want to do that job. <laughs> uh, so, you know, they, they're basically on them to, to keep this uh, the school clean and safe. Uh, and they do feel that pressure because, you know, um, obviously there's no kids there at the moment or very limited amount. But once those kids come back, the the uh there, there'll be even more pressure on them to keep those uh high uh you know traffic areas clean and uh covert free alex are your members feeling like they've got enough support from the various health departments are they give being given enough equipment and training and support uh, look, I think that, like I said, they're very experienced cleaners. Uh, the 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 fact is, when there is an outbreak, it's not the the actual school cleaners that do the deep clean. But uh, we did have some issues with uh, PPE not being delivered and PPE being, uh, you know, uh, not um, they just ran out and the companies uh, um, weren't getting any of them to to the cleaners where we had uh, situations where the cleaners were buying their own PPE. Uh, we had a situation where the principal had to go out and buy some chemicals. So, you know, it's it, uh, um, a really poor form in, in terms of, you know, uh, contractors and companies, uh, you know, not providing those during a pandemic. And we, we did raise those issues and they were dealt very quickly because, you know, obviously it's the WHS issue there the uh, companies reacted very quickly and provided those things. But it's a constant struggle to, uh, you know, um, ask for those things again and again. And, uh, and you know, uh, for the cleaners who are already worried about their own health and the health of their family and risking, I guess, their, their health to go and do this job and keep everyone else safe, uh, to worry about not having the right equipment or, you know, uh, uh, you know PPE, which is... A basic need. <laughs> is there also the danger of the compound effect of a pandemic? And what I mean by that is, and we're seeing this in hospitals now, where 
health workers are also being infected, being furloughed, so they can't come and look after people. So the pressure grows within the hospital system and the gaps open up and you can't treat as many people because the carers are getting sick. Are we seeing that now with cleaners that, you know, people like Aru are getting sick and they're having to quarantine for 14 days? He's not in that school anymore and he won't be the only one that's having to sort of withdraw from the workforce. So those areas are being uh, left, you know, maybe not able to be cleaned as often or as, as, as thoroughly because the workforce is just being stretched. Yeah, no, that, that is correct. And, and we represent uh, other cleaners and, and in other areas where, you know, they're, they're not authorised workers like school cleaners and they've been stood down. And uh, there is a, a shortage of the workforce, which was predominantly, uh, you know, international students, where that is the case. As you know, international students can't come back into Australia and there is a shortage of, of, of the workforce. And in schools, uh, uh, especially where you need, uh, you know, some checks like police checks and, you know, working with children uh, checks that um, you can't just bring anybody in <laughs> to clean that. Even if you had casuals and, and people that were willing to do the job, there, there needs to be some... Uh, you know, it doesn't just, uh, it's, it's not an overnight thing. Uh, and yeah, those people will be stretched and it'll be on other cleaners to do even more work now <laughs> to to do that kind of, uh, to pick up that slack, yeah. And so, uh, Alex, what are the next, um, the coming two, four, six weeks hold um, for cleaners across New South Wales in particular, but around around, yeah, particularly in sort of, cities like Sydney and Melbourne that are facing a lot of COVID cases. What does the next six weeks look like for your members? Uh, in terms of for our members, uh, I guess it because in Sydney, uh, you know, it depends where you live, what restrictions you're under. And, you know, if you live in the in the 12 LGAs that are of concern, um, they're looking at having to get vaccinated uh, to go to work by the 6th of um of this month of September and uh, getting a permit if they live in the LGA to work in another LGA. Uh, you know, if they live in one of those LGAs or they're coming into an LGA like that. And um, it is, um, um, there's a lot of hesitancy, um, not so much about getting vaccinated, but a lot of people are afraid of AstraZeneca and we're finding a lot of people uh, having this. Uh, there's also the issue where uh, companies are, are more or less saying if you don't come, you have to get vaccinated uh, or else you'll lose your job. Uh, and, you know, that's not particularly helpful <laughs> in this situation for people that are, are trying to, to keep, you know, schools clean for when eventually we will get schools. Um, and uh, we don't know when this is going to happen, of course, but uh, we all we hit 70% first vaccinations in Sydney today or New South Wales and um, they'll reopen schools I think in October or November and we the cleaners have to get the schools ready for that and you know it, it it's not going to help when next week uh, we have a potential where you know even more people <laughs> even more cleaners are not going to be able to go because they're not vaccinated or haven't had this permits were really confusing because uh, that people don't know when they need the permits or, um, you know, if I live and work in my LGA, do I need a permit? No, you don't. Uh, but if you, you know, uh, there's all these uh, 
you know, small differentiations that are confusing a lot of the cleaners. Alex, where do you think that hesitancy that you mentioned there, where do you think that's coming from? And do you think that's more uh, present, like among your members, or do you think it's on track uh, with uh, the hesitancy that members of the broader community are experiencing? What's your, um, yeah, well, what are your feelings on where that's coming from? Obviously, there are people that choose not to have vaccines because they have their own uh, ideas and, and, you know, information uh, and they don't like vaccines. But most of the conversations we've, we're having are, are around uh, they're afraid of AstraZeneca. And a lot of our members, I would say all of our members, uh, come from a, you know, English as a second language kind of uh, culture. And, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. We're using our delegates like Aru, and uh, we have other delegates that speak other languages and belong to other communities that are helping us with that. And, you know, we are, you know, uh, you know, uh, in trying to get people to, to get vaccinated. And, you know, we encourage people to do it. Uh, and try and get through some of that misinformation about AstraZeneca, and people are afraid of it. I think that's the, 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 the I guess the feeling we're getting from the conversations we're having that they're afraid of it and they don't understand it. And that's not their fault because the messaging around AstraZeneca was an absolute disaster. That late night press conference, panic press conference, the Prime Minister called a couple of months ago which just spooked the entire nation about that particular vaccine, which I've had. I'm, I'm blessed to have had double dose of AstraZeneca and, um, and I feel uh, privileged to have done so. But the messaging around it has been an absolute disaster and it has set back the, the, the cause and the project of vaccinating this country in unfathomable ways. And it's left to great unions like you, yours, Alex, and great organisers like yourself and delegates like Aru to clean up the mess that this government has left behind. And I just want to say thank you to you and to all of your delegates and all the people on the ground who are having these person-to-person conversations with ordinary workers who just want to know that they can hear from a voice that they can trust and depend on, and that voice is from its union. And unions always come to the fore when it comes to looking after communities, and you're doing exactly the work that a good union organiser should, and we are so very grateful, mate. Thank you so much for being with us on the job, and we, sh- we wish you all the very best there in, in Canterbury-Bankstown in Sydney, and um, and to all the cleaners uh, who that you represent, we wish them good health. And, and let's hope that finally they get the respect and the pay and the pay and the job certainty that they deserve. Thank you, Francis and Sally. Thanks, Alex. Alex Morales there from the United Workers Union. With us here on The Job, the podcast all about making your working life better. Sally, thank you for joining us again today. Great conversation. And, um, yeah, it's important to hear those voices from people who are, who are doing the hard yards for us. You know, I really empathise um You know, Alex was just talking about his members who are not, like, opposed to vaccines at all but are feeling a bit of fear and anxiety around AstraZeneca. And I I completely empathise with that position because, you know, up until a couple of weeks ago, I was that person. Now, I've I've got my first AstraZeneca dose now and I'm so thrilled to have done it. Um, But before I went and got my needle, I I was really worried and I'm like, quite embarrassed to admit that because we like to think, well, I like to think of myself as like someone who respects science and believes doctors and can like, you know, someone who is like informed by and driven by rationality rather than irrationality. Um, And, you know, every time 
whether it was a political leader or a you know a chief health officer or anybody was sort of talking about how like you know the the risk of an adverse event from AstraZeneca is so 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 low for me my brain says and it's going to happen to you <laughs> you know like for people <laughs> for people like me who are you know have a predisposition for feeling anxious like that sort of talk you know the, t- talking about how it's very very rare doesn't that's not reassuring because anxious brains yep. are anxious and you know like particularly that you know there's been a bunch of um People saying, you know, like, well, you're, it's much more dangerous to get in a car. And normal brains are like, oh, that puts it in perspective. Whereas an anxious brain is like, well, I'm already anxious getting in the car. You know, like I'm, I'm already, <laughs> or like, you know, you're far more likely to die in a plane crash. And an anxious brain is like, yeah, no shit. Like, we're really worried about that. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's me and my anxious brain. But what really helped me was I went to the, my doctor she started talking me through, you know, how much more risky and dangerous it was to actually contract COVID. And I was like, Dr. Lee, I have to stop you there because I already know and I'm already anxious about COVID. I'm like, that's not going to help. And I said, can you tell me, like, if I am going to have this adverse effect? She's like, you're not. And I'm like, okay, okay. But if I am, how will I know? Like, what does it feel like? What do I do? Will I be okay? And so my doctor was like, yeah, you will definitely know. You know, these are the symptoms and talked me through very clearly the symptoms. She was like, you will have a blinding headache that will feel worse when you lie down. Uh, Like, and it won't go away and it won't feel like any headache you've had before. Like, you will have... um, shortness of breath that doesn't feel like your ass white you know like she just sort of really talked me through exactly what the symptoms would feel like and was like and if you feel that you can come and get a blood test here at your hospital and they will tell you straight away if you are having a reaction and if you are we can just treat that like there's heaps of you know this is very very rare and nobody's really dying of this anymore because we can treat it and so for me i'm just sharing this information in case any other listeners have anxious brains for me that was what helped me was sort of like okay well if this does happen to me and my brain is going it will then then i <laughs> i feel completely in control of what happens next um and so yeah i'm just sort of sharing that in case any of our listeners yep are feeling that same that same irrational fear because it doesn't – when your fear is irrational, it does not help – you can't rationalise it. When people say, oh, you're more likely to be struck by lightning, it's like, well, people do get struck by lightning. You know, like <laughs> it doesn't work for anxious yes. brains. Um, so sharing that in case it helps with anybody. Um, and, you know, I've sort of touched on the symptoms and the and the steps from there. I'm not a doctor and I also have just sort of – spoken about it quite briefly. So, um, but there's lots of literature online about this from, you know, like actual reputable doctors and medical sources. Um, and yeah, I think demystifying that is a, a key to um, tackling fear and hesitancy. Thank you for sharing your uh, experience of that, Sally. It's really important that we remember that uh, exactly people's anxiety uh, means that they're not necessarily having the same thought processes as the rational mind and that we have to attack 
and deal with this in a very different way. Mate, thank you so much for being with us again on the job. Uh, and we'll catch you again next week. You can follow Sally at Sally Rugg on the socials. Uh, give us a review, uh, whatever platform you're on. We love you five stars. Tell people about the podcast. Write us a little review. It helps other people uh, find the information and share the inspiration. And Sally, we'll catch you next week on the job. Can't wait. See you then. Yeah.